Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. I'd like each of the three of you to talk about what leadership skill you're looking to focus on next year. I am going to think about this year on what I can remove for the purpose of focusing on what's really important, because I think both on a personal level and to some degree, even on a team level, we have spread ourselves thin. And so I think this might be a year for me and the team to think about that a little bit. Fewer things, better what's not moving the bar for us. Hey, if you if you get there, can you teach us how to do that? Man, that's a, that's a golden one. I, I so root you on for that one. That's a good one. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. This is a very special edition of the CMO Podcast. Before we get too far into 2024, we're going to look back at the five major themes from the 50-plus CMO Podcast we recorded last year in 2023. And to help us learn from these five themes and to apply these lessons to our work in 2024, we have invited three previous CMO podcast guests to join us. First, we have Julius Robinson, the Chief Sales and Marketing Officer for the U.S. and Canada for Marriott International. Julius was a guest back in July. Second, Samantha Malton, Chief Marketing Officer for Sesame Workshop, the nonprofit educational organization behind Sesame Street, of course, one of the best-loved brands in the world. Samantha was a guest in mid-2022. And our third guest is Jay Livingston, the Chief Marketing Officer at Shake Shack. Jay joined us on the CMO podcast last May, coincidentally on the day his company was opening up a new restaurant in my hometown of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Now let's get into our ambitious agenda to reveal the five themes from CMOs in 2023 and to invite our guests to share their insights and advice on each theme. Here we go. Welcome back to the CMO Podcast, Samantha, Julius, and Jay. Now, before we dive into the five major themes from last year's shows, let's start with what each of you, you three CMOs, are most proud of as you look back on 2023 and how you led and what your team and company did. So, Jay, let's start with you. Wow, strong question right out of the gate. A couple things, you know, in the restaurant industry, and frankly, I know in certainly the hotel business, the last few years have been quite challenging, right? And going through COVID and the disruptions that that created. And I think getting the company back to a growth, uh, a place of growth and stabilized to some degree in the way we were attacking, you know, foundational problems, getting us back to baseline, dealing with the, the staffing issues, which we had 
you know, throughout the, the industry a year or two ago. We've really gotten that out of our system. We've got back a normalized place of growth. And I think I'm just proud of that because that was such a hangover uh, of dealing with all that in the restaurant business. And so that would probably be my biggest piece. I would say, secondly, you know, sales. We're doing well from a sales standpoint. As a CMO, you're always on the hook for like, are you growing? Uh, are you comping that mm-hmm. relentless uh, retail need to comp over the last year, et cetera? And so really get us to a good, stable place there. And then I'm really happy about helping Shake Shack become more of a fact-based decision-making organization. So we've really built out a great guest insights analytics function. And I think this is a good lesson for all marketers, which is, you know, I always say if CEO has an opinion and the CMO has an opinion and it's all instinct and feelings behind that, we know who's going to win that argument. And we've really built a great insights function that allows us to make much better decisions using facts and, and insights. So that would be my third. Samantha, how about you? What are you proud of from last year? Dan, the last time we spoke over a year ago, I talked about launching a mental health initiative, an emotional well-being initiative for families. We knew, particularly during the pandemic, that this was really the most pressing issue for families. And we did that. I'm so proud. You know, we launched a suite of resources on sesameworkshop.org, which we relaunched our entire site. We came out with a YouTube special and partnered with some fantastic YouTube creators to bring resources to families, to give parents tools that they could use with their children to help understand their emotions, particularly during you know, traumatic times. The world's become so complicated and there's so many stresses on parents today. So I'm really proud. The team killed it. I'm proud of them. I, you know, we doubled our site traffic and we've gone from search terms being in the thousands to top 10. Um, I'm proud of them. I'm proud of them. And I'm, I'm proud of the impact that we're having. It's so important to get these resources into the hands of parents. The thing I'm looking forward to next in the next few weeks is we knew we need to get to those direct service providers. So we're about to launch a partnership with the largest pediatric telehealth provider in schools to get mental health resources to children and give parents a chance to not have to leave work and, and get them the resources they need. Well, you're acting on your purpose, which we'll talk about a bit later in the show. But I do have to, before we move to Julius, I do have to say you're probably proud of your alma mater about this yes! time of year. Would you say that? <laughs> National champion. I had to. Go blue. Go blue. Go blue. We were talking about that before we started recording. Samantha's a proud Michigan graduate, and they're they're in the they're in the limelight right now, as they should I be. I am, and the last time they won was the year I graduated. It's taken us this long to get back, but we're back. Oh. 15 and 0. So, Julius, you're a Big Ten person as well? I am, yeah. Rutgers and Maryland, you may not make the BCS championship, but hey, you're doing well in basketball this year. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we'll ever get to the natty, but, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're, good in, we're a good educational institution, both of them. So that's, that's where we start. But it's been a good year uh, for us. So we're glad to be on the show with you and, and my colleagues here. I, I think there are a couple of things for us. I mean, first and foremost... We reintroduce people to our brands. I, I think coming out of the pandemic, it was, we just want you to travel. We don't care where you go. Just just go out and travel. And people did that in droves. But now we had an opportunity to reintroduce them to Marriott Bonvoy, which is sort of our 
you know, anchor brand that ties all of our other 32 brands together. We were able to introduce some great new products. Uh, we've launched a couple of new brands in, in the southern part of the world in South America. We launched a great partnership with MGM in Las Vegas. And so we, we really were able to introduce new product and offerings for our customers, but we, but we reintroduced them to our brands, uh, giving them a chance to really get underneath what our brands are, who they represent, and, and why a company our size should have you know, 30 plus brands uh, to offer. So that's, that's one that we're really excited about. I, I think the other thing is on the people front, right? We, we were able to take care of our guests better in 23 than we did in 22. We're always striving to take care of our customers. I think to the point that Jay made, you know, it's been tough out there, especially from a people perspective, getting people back in, a lot of new people that needed some training, but we were able to really dive into what Marriott's all about, what our core cultural values are all about, as well as educate people on how to do their jobs better. So when we look at our, you know, things like our guest satisfaction scores have gone up and really sort of normalized uh, what travel means, but but keeping people excited about what travel can be in the future. So lots of lots of good stuff to share on uh, on what we feel proud of in 2023. Super, super. Well, I get your daily email from Bonvoy and it makes me think about travel every day. That's the goal. <laughs> and and, it's, and I'm tempted to open it every day, which says a lot, right? Because we don't open most of these emails, but but yours is pretty special. Hey, let's let's get into the five themes from last year's shows. And the first theme, and this is probably not going to surprise anyone, is purpose. And that is how to bring your company or brand purpose to life and all you do and to role model that at the top with roles like you all are in. And the reason our guest told us that purpose was so important is that it drives business results and it attracts people to your brand. And we heard that from Carrie Ruddy at Train Technologies. We heard it from Heather Malinchek at Land Lakes, from Sierra Anfield at Sam's Club, Samir Singh at Unilever, and on and on and on. So, Julius, let's start with you on this one. What have you learned or relearned this year on the power of purpose in Marriott's culture and in your results? Oh, it's a great question. You know, I, I, it's ironic, but just uh, just about 24 hours ago, I posted a whole thing on my word for 2024. Uh, I don't I don't really do resolutions, but I do words. And my word for 24, ironically, was mm-hmm. purpose. And, and the reason behind that is because I think if we have clarity in what we're trying to accomplish, we, you know, many times as you're trying to get organizations back up to speed for whatever reason, people get caught up in the how we get things done. And we often forget about the why we're doing the things that we're doing. And so that has been something that for me has been critical in educating and offering up opportunities for my team as we work through the work of bringing our customers to a place where, you know, travel influences the mind and travel spurs all kinds of connectivity uh, with people. So, our purpose, as we define it, is connecting people through the power of travel. And I think it's been important for me to remind the organization on my, you know, my organization about what that is and what that truly means and how whether the technology stack is right, that's important, but that is not necessarily the essence of connecting people through the power of travel. It's about giving them opportunities across the world to do these things. It's about providing connection opportunities when they're in our hotels for people to engage with each other, with friends, with family, with business colleagues, et cetera. And it's about uh, visually or experientially seeing things 
that they may not have seen before. In my practice last year, it was always about asking the second question, which is, okay, we know the how and the what, but what about the why? Mm -hmm. As we've tried to produce products last year, and as we look at opportunities in 24, it's all about the why, why we do what we do. So connecting people through the purpose of travel is the purpose. And I think everything we do needs to center around that. Samantha, let me bring you in to comment maybe where Julius was going. You spoke about what you were most proud of last year, and it certainly was a big, important purpose initiative. Let's just bring you in to address that, to react to what Julius said, or to talk about what you've learned about purpose and impact last year at Sesame Street. You know, as a purpose-driven brand, it is at the center of what we do. And I've really been reflecting a lot about that. You know, we say our, our purpose is to help children grow smarter, stronger, and kinder in order to help empower generations to build a better world. But we can't just name that. And I think one of the biggest challenges that we have is that people know Sesame Street, but they don't know that Sesame Workshop is a global nonprofit and we're working in over 150 countries around the world. And they don't know the work that we're doing. They don't know that we have humanitarian efforts to help families who have been displaced by war, for example, in Ukraine, or they don't know that we're working with families affected by migration throughout Latin America, and that we're trying to provide social emotional resources for those children who are trying to adapt to a new environment. They don't know that we're working in shelters here, right here in New York and trying to get education resources for children who wouldn't ordinarily have access to that. So telling that story and really making a connection with people to inspire them to give back, to, to donate, to support our higher purpose has been the biggest challenge for us. And it's so important because we know these programs are working. We know we're having impact. That program in the Middle East called Ahlan Simpson is delivering in 11 weeks, a year's worth of preschool learning. So we have to focus on telling that story and, and talking, not just naming the purpose, but really bringing people in and connecting to that purpose in a deeper way. Jay, let's give you the last word to talk about purpose as the first main theme from last year's CMO shows, CMO podcasts. You're certainly are a purpose-driven organization. Your founder is purpose-driven leader. So why don't you give us the last word on purpose? Sure. Our purpose statement is stand for something good. And a lot of folks don't know the origin of that, but we started in Madison Square Park as basically a hot dog cart supporting the revitalization of the park to raise funds for the park. And we had these crazy long lines. And then two years later, we opened the first Shake Shack there. And the lines were wrapped around the park. And that sort of uh, double meaning of that statement was you're standing in line for good food, obviously elevated, elevated food that was coming out of the 11 Madison Park Kitchen, one of the best restaurants in the world. But then secondly, you're standing to contribute to the park and the revitalization. And actually, when you walk through it now, see how beautiful it is. A lot of those funds came from, from that Shake Shack. So I think about that, how that applies to all the decisions we make, of course, on a daily basis, but also the experience we create for guests. And the one thing I'll say is it gets easy when you're in a retail business like this to, it's all about the food. Are we delivering the best, best food, for instance? And what we've learned is 
of course, it's about our ingredients and, and the food and not compromising there. But ultimately, it's about creating an uplifting experience for our guests. So do you leave Shake Shack and say, man, that was, that was a great experience. The food's a big part of that, but it was also those hospitality touches that you had along the way. It was the design of the restaurant. It was just how you felt. And I think about that all the time. And when we coach our shacks, we really coach that. It's not enough to deliver hot, warm food accurately. That's the table stakes. But we want every guest to walk out of there feeling like that was an uplifting experience. I can't wait to go back and experience that again. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website. And then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. Julius is smiling, Samantha is smiling, nodding their heads. So, so the experience is everything. Hey, you know, before we leave this topic, the concept of purpose, I mean, you're following the news as well as I am. It's been under some attack this past year. You know, let's just... Uh, you make great products and uh, and stop all this uh, talk about purpose and and a higher meaning and a bigger impact. How do you respond to that when you hear that, you know, among friends, family, employees? I think whenever a topic gets politicized, what happens is it naturally enters a place where there's a pendulum that will swing back and forth. And ESG is a great example because that's one of the, you didn't say it, but that's one of the big topics, DEI, ESG, that are in the news right now in all sorts of ways. And what happened was the pendulum swung really far in one direction, and now it's swinging in another direction. And I think that's where it's important as a company, you really know your values, know what you stand for, and know what you represent, and, and not waver on that. And then as a C CMO, I think you've got to be the person that can speak to that internally and externally and, and be really confident in how, what the stance is the company's taking and making sure you're lining everybody up on that. And, and I think that's a lot of the challenge of this job is, uh, or at least it has been in the last few years, is really understanding both where you stand and what message you want to convey about those things. What that message is depends on the organization, but having confidence and line up from the executive team, the board, uh, and your teammates is super important in these times, I believe. Yeah, these, I mean, these, I agree so much. I mean, these, these are moments where companies have to really look at who they are from a core values perspective. Yes. And, and if you're just trying to figure that out when the issues are happening, it's probably too late, right? And, and I know for us, you know, as we think about connecting people globally, we need to be available to all audiences, right? And we have to bring environments together and forums together where people from all different opinions can share and engage. And so, you know, our our safe place has been leaning into who we are as an organization, putting people first, serving our world, things like that. And when we stay true to those things, I think it comes through in the marketing, it comes through in the advertising, but it also comes through at the property guest experience. And so 
looking inward to me are the moments during times like these that companies like like all of ours just have to do. Yeah, I think Jay and Julius are dead on. And I think once you have that clarity of your own core values and your purpose, that is the guiding the, the guiding light. And I think the one thing that we have all in common is that we're, we're global brands and we have to do that, not just here in the US, but that clarity needs to translate and make sure that um, it's coming through and adapting to the needs of all the markets that we operate in. No, I think you're, you're all spot on. And what I do is I always bring it back to the business, right? If you're acting on a purpose that's right for your business, your history, your organization, your values, and you're bringing it to life, it drives greater business results, which is good for everyone. Anytime we divorce it from the business and the history of the organization, we get into trouble. So let's move on to the, the second theme. And this one is about reframing the role of the CMO to be a business leader first and a marketing leader second. And we heard this from Antonio Lucio at HP, Melissa Waters at Upwork, Ramon Jones at Nationwide, among others. One of our guests actually said that the, the role of the CMO is 90% chief and 10% marketer. So Samantha, let's start with you on this one. How do you think about this concept in your role and how does it affect how you lead, how you spend your time? Yeah, Jim, I've been thinking a lot about this and, and how I spend my time. Our jobs are becoming much more complex. We're wearing so many different hats and we need to make every minute count. And I think over the past couple of years, I, I've learned a lot about the power of community. You know, at the beginning of our careers, we spend so much time networking and meeting people and, and forming partnerships in that way. And that's all so important. But I think that networking can feel transactional. And I think that the, the community can be transformational. And the past couple of years in particular, I've really had the privilege of participating in smaller, closer knit communities within our marketing industry. And that has been game changing for me. And whether that's the Institute for Real Growth or Forbes or the Kellogg Marketing Group that, that you know you are so active in, having that opportunity to have real, open, vulnerable conversations with our colleagues and, and truly share challenges, what we're all dealing with, help one another has been incredible particularly one group of, of women who have been supporting each other. And that's just been very special. So I think when I think about, you know, moving forward, I'm committed to helping others build that sense of community and find that. I think it took me a really long time. And I want to support both my own team and others who are coming up as leaders in our field. I love that. Julius, can you comment on that? How you think about your role, business leader first, marketer second? Is that how you think about your role? Absolutely. And I, I love this topic because I, I often tell my team, you know, in a business like ours, right, where we have operations, sales, finance, marketing, strategy, there are all kinds of areas. And, you know, every couple of years, you know, each one of those, they're all important, but each one of those sort of shines a little bit brighter than the others, right? And so coming out of the pandemic, we were in the season of marketing, 
Uh, not that we don't always do marketing, but we had to fill very empty hotels around the world and how we engage with audiences and the number of audiences we engaged with was incredibly important. And so I, I think that's still important. However, right, everything costs more than it did a year ago, two years ago, or three years ago. And I think it's important for our team and our marketers to make sure that we're helping the customer understand the value proposition within the travel space, even as they're making an emotional buying decision. And so, you, you know, you have to be aware of where the business is, where it's going, what the shortfalls might be. And marketers should all be thinking about where do I create the most value, both from the short term as well as the long term. And, and maybe in good times, you spend a little bit more time talking about that long term value creation. But in times like these or the times that our industry has been through, the short term is as important because we can't get there without those investments in the short term. So I'm all over that concept for sure. You know, marketers love to talk about this topic, like on podcasts and conferences and uh, newsletters. I always see is like, what's the role? How's it changing? What's the tenure? You know, that whole marketing. Tenure. I see the CMOs, the lowest tenure of the C-suite. I really think the answer, as I think about it, is it's context dependent also on your business, because I think both folks said really smart things about the the core of it. But also, if you're at a founder-led business, it's going to look a lot different, your role at that company, than if you're at a huge a business where it's 100 years old and there have been you know, 22 CEOs. What's your relationship with the CEO? What role do they want to play? I'm lucky enough that I get to oversee product development, so menu innovation, supply chain, and also digital. So we really have a broad purview. And in that way, uh, I'm a big believer that marketers can be more aggressive than they think they can be talking about, I don't want somebody handing me a product and saying, go sell it. And then when it doesn't sell, saying, man, you really did not sell this thing well enough. Like I'd rather much more have the ownership of the development of that product, if possible. A lot of CMOs aren't going to get the ability to do that. But then I can, so it's up to me. So I can build marketing into the product from scratch. And then it's, if this thing doesn't sell, it's really on my shoulders. And I've really enjoyed that about my position. I think, though, at its core, if you want to stay in your job for a long tenure, you have to be pushing the company's sales and performance forward and finding ways to do that because that then allows you to have so much more responsibility and opinions about every other part of the business. If you're not doing that, uh, it's going to be hard to actually stretch into other areas. So that's how I kind of think about it in my current role. But when I was at Bank of America, I wasn't CMO of Bank of America. Very different role for the CMO and very different role for even marketing folks there. So it, it is pretty context dependent. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. We're going to move to the third of five themes. And for our listeners, I gave my three guests no prep for this show. They have no idea what these themes are. So I want to have a little fun moving to the third of five themes what do you think is the next theme or what do you think might be in the next three themes? So Julius, what do you think? What's your guess? 
We have three more topics to talk about that were really, really burning among last year's CMO guests. What do you think one might be? Yeah, well, I, I would imagine you might have two little words, uh, AI or something related to it that might that might come up. Uh, that'd be that'd be one of my guesses. You're warm. You're warm. <laughs> Samantha, what do you think? I think one of the biggest trends we talked about all year was the swing from brand marketing to performance marketing and this focus on measurement and, you know, this hyper focus on measurement. Oh, yeah. And how, you know, that as marketers, one of the things we struggled with is the stuff you can measure is not, you know, the stuff that's really forming that long term relationship with your customer, with the consumer. So I think that we will begin to take more of a focus on broader brand marketing, right? All this, all the ways that we're building goodwill and, and relationships mm-hmm. and reputation and trust. And I think that brands are realizing that they have to find deeper ways to create authentic connections, not just acquire their customers. We had an episode last year. Uh, I, I co-wrote an article in the Harvard Business Review on brand and performance marketing and how to kind of solve that conundrum. And we did an episode with my co-authors and myself on this show, and it was one of our best performing episodes last year. So it's a topic people are really, really thinking about and how they deal with it. So so that's a good guess, but it's not one of the last three. But it's probably nestled in one of those, as we'll talk about. So Jay, what's your guess? So those were probably my first two guesses. <laughs> They're just so topical for everyone. I, so I don't think this is going to be right, but I think it should be a theme, which is is just the pace of disruption for this job and in this space and the way that eyeball moves. So I, I used to joke, I actually was saying this like 10 years ago, and then it's moved even faster. You know, when when radio came along, newspapers thought they were screwed, right? It was done. And then television came along and radio said, well, they're never going to be radio anymore. And then, you know, social media came along. But the distance between each of these things gets shorter and shorter. So, you know, Facebook had a run and then Instagram, which they bought, obviously was big. And then now TikTok and YouTube are accelerating even more quickly. And now you've got media networks worried about TikTok and YouTube. And frankly, they're a better medium for getting information to people. So... As a marketer, as you get older as a marketer, it's really hard to keep staying up with how to chase those eyeballs in each place. And so a lot of what we think about is how to make those capital allocation decisions and how to chase those eyeballs amongst younger people. But yet we still have newspapers mm-hmm. in a way. We definitely still have radio and podcasts. We definitely still have television. So it, that's the challenge to me, I think, a lot about is how to keep up with that disruption. You're warm as well. <laughs> Oh, for three? Are you serious? (laughs) No, I think what what you're highlighting is is in what we're about to talk about in a different way. But let's go to the third theme. And this one I don't think will surprise you. It's about the absolute necessity to build and inspire outstanding teams. Almost every guest talked about that. In fact, it's maybe the biggest driver of CMO success and failure. If you don't build a team that can help you design and execute where, where you're going to go. So we heard uh, Nathaniel Rue, one of the founders of Sweetgreen, talk about this a lot. We heard Dara Traceder at Autodesk talk about this. We heard, no surprise, Jen Kavanaugh at the Philadelphia Eagles talked about the power of teams. So, Jay, 
this isn't a surprise. This is one of the learnings, but maybe something we all don't focus on enough. I'm not sure I did enough of that thinking when I was at P&G about the strength of my team. I had a great team, but could I have made it even better, which would lead to better results? So how do you ensure your team is the one you want, playing to its potential, that you're always seeking to improve the team? So what practices, rituals, habits, thoughts do you have about this topic? First of all, I think it's it's everything, especially as you get more senior in your career, mm-hmm. because there's no way you can, you know, so many people that move up in their career early are really strong athletes and performers at their function, and then they get promoted up and promoted up. And what's going to determine their success is no longer their ability to muscle things through and occasionally there's somebody that's such a savant that they see the future and, you know, they, they just tell everybody what to do. I'm certainly not one of those people. What I'm really good at is actually hiring and I, I hope leading great people. And that's what's allowed me to have more success because it's the key to being, I think, successful in a senior role. The caveat I'll give you is the thing to think about there is having the the courage to hire people that are going to push you and that are smarter than you in their specific functions and then listening to them giving them permission to disagree and to push the company forward that is hard especially as your ego gets bigger as you get in a bigger job you know allowing someone hiring people to really challenge you so that that is what I kind of put out there to people to think about. Are, do you have the guts to hire that person that's going to push? Samantha, Julia's comments on the, on this topic so so important. Yeah, I think about this in in two ways. You know, I think at first I look at the people that I look up to most as leaders, and I look at what they have in common, and I think all of them have clear vision, purpose and empathy and they have they have a clear vision with a purpose that goes beyond just their own company they're helping people they're doing something to make the world a better place which is important to me personally they have empathy they're listening and they truly understand not just their customers but their teams as individuals and that's what i'm trying to model as a leader I'm a naturally curious person, and I think that we have to think about continuous education. And so I talked earlier about spending time with peers, and and I've learned a lot about managing and and running a multi-generational team, a team of people that is has so many different disciplines. And I know that Julius and Jay, you know, have have quite a, a broad wide range of who they manage, right? From the innovations people to, in my case, you know, people who are drawing our characters. And I think really understanding what motivates and inspires each of them is critical to being able to lead them in the most effective way. One of the things that I've learned from several peers who were working on an industry board about managing Gen Z employees and just the state that they have come up in and how they what their filters are um, has been really helpful for me because I think it's completely different than my own experience and being able to put myself in 
various shoes and, and have empathy, I think is what I'm working on to be a better leader. Oh, that's awesome. L- last thing I would say there is, I think we've all heard the phrase, you know, what got you here won't keep you here. And I think when you're looking for talent, and I have the pleasure of leading our sales organization in North America, as well as marketing. And, you know, for me, it's all about making sure that the folks share their varied experiences, but that they all understand the business, the language of the business, right? And so you talked about earlier, you know, this role that marketers need to play in sort of understanding the business. And for us to get anything done, we have to speak the language that our stakeholders understand. And those stakeholders are operators in our hotels. They're the ownership groups that maybe own some of our assets. And they're also our customers who walk in the door. And so we've got to, those are three distinct languages. But if I can make sure that our teams understand how those languages benefit the business, then we're on to something because they can take their varied experiences, but they can direct them in a way that moves the needle. And so I would say that's probably the most important one. And then the second one is just, you know, how are you developing the person uh, behind you to make sure that, you know, we want you to be promoted, but but I'm not going to promote you unless you tell me that you've got somebody ready to fill your shoes. And so if you start to build that culture, I think that's that built really well for us over the years. All right. Love all that. But we're going to move on to the next theme, which really is sort of the Uber theme, I think, that encompasses the top AI, which you talked about, Julius, disruption and pace in this job, which you talked about, Jay. And it's a theme that keeps coming up. I hear this a lot when it comes down to what makes for a great CMO, and that is curiosity. Your curiosity, your team's curiosity, your company's curiosity. We heard that from Maggie Schmerin at United Airlines. We heard it from Lisa McKnight behind the whole Barbie phenomenon last year at Mattel. We heard it from Shara Fewer at Trinity London. Julius, when I spoke to you this summer in our interview, you talked about this a lot. And I don't know how you innovate in a fast-changing world without curiosity and without that as a skill that you actually continually work to build. And I do believe it is a skill. Some people may be more innately curious than others, but everyone can be more curious. So Julius, could you, you know, we talked about this last summer. Could you go back to that discussion? How do you think about curiosity? How do you look for it? How do you reward it? How do you role model it? How do you build your skills in it? Yeah, it's a great question and one I love. You know, we've, we've got a motto that Mr. Marriott coined the phrase. I don't think he owns it, but he coined it for the last 50 years. And that is success is never final. And really what that means for us is there is always an opportunity for improvement over and above what we're able to achieve. And the good part about our business is, you know, every time any of you get those surveys, please fill them out because we get direct feedback, right? From from those that are in our hotels, as well as those that maybe have just stayed there or whatever. And so taking an opportunity to be curious about what people thought of your idea, your concept is critically important. I think success is never final is the mantra that's done that for us. I also think, you know, we talked about uh, teams earlier. If you're hiring a team that has a very diverse, come from very diverse backgrounds, the curiosities get multiplied, right? And so, because people are navigating towards the things that they're comfortable with, but if your team in and of itself is a diverse team, then inherently you've got great people that are looking to pull insights out of areas that they most know about. And that's where, you know, the, the, the healthy competitive nature 
of the dialogue continues. And so I, I love the concept of staying curious and staying ahead of what's going on. And any opportunity we have to do that, we want to at least ask the question, how can we get better? I went to a trivia contest last night and our team was the most diverse team in the room. It was 20 teams. We came in number one. <laughs> and it's because, of, and, and, and you see that in trivia, right? If you don't have diverse thinking and diverse experiences, you can't relate to all the topics. So Samantha, your brand is how many years old? 54 years old here in the US. You certainly could not evolve that brand without being curious. How do you think about it at, at Sesame Workshop? I love this topic. We talk a lot about this because we rely so much on partnerships to do the work we do. Earned is our biggest lever. I, I have come up in media and entertainment and I don't have the kind of big budgets that I had in, at other brands. But curiosity for us, like we have to mine our research and insights constantly. We really don't get out of bed without asking a preschooler and their parent you know, what's meaningful to them? What do they need? What are the most pressing needs? And I think we also think about all the ways that we can reach our consumers. And so while we all are focused on having those high impact moments, you know, for some brands, that's a Super Bowl commercial. For us, we've partnered with folks like Maggie, who you mentioned at United, you know, have Oscar be the chief trash officer of United Airlines. And those are the kinds of partnerships for us that get us that, that high impact exposure and are so important, but just as important are really looking deep into our insights to see what are things that are in people's daily habits that we can connect to, right? And so I say, like, the thing that our team is focused on now is What's our daily dose, right? How are we being curious, staying curious, taking those insights, mining them and reaching people within their daily habits? How are they, you know, seeing how they could give back to Sesame Workshop and learn about what we do when they're paying their babysitter on Venmo or when they're, you know, doing the Wordle crossword or crossword or any of those types of things, scrolling for the weather. Jay, curiosity is at Shake Shack. Well, the one thing I'd say is that you might watch the first season of Ted Lasso, and I think it's in the finale where he's playing darts, and he says something to the effect of what really has separated me from my whole life is curiosity. I'm not seeing that used in a marketing or meme context, but I, I think it should. The only, the only thing I'd add to these great comments, because it is such a core skill set, I think, of being a good marketer in particular, is we're based in New York City. Shake Shack is based in Manhattan. And... New York City can be a bubble uh, where a lot of the marketing team are all exposed. Even I, I believe New York to be the most diverse place in the world in the way that everybody interacts with each other in a tight environment. But it can also be its own bubble where you don't understand what's happening in a lot of the rest of the country. So what works at a Shake Shack in the Lower East Side may not work at a Shake Shack in a suburb of Kansas City. Right. And what we talk about a lot is how are you able to market to and understand folks in the rest of the country once you move out of the coast and you really grow to the inside of the country, et cetera. And a lot of that is being curious and sort of getting out of New York City at times and understanding what, every, what folks think. I tell people all the time, you may disagree completely with the other political party and from whatever yours is. But at least understanding why they would vote 
for that person is super important. If you can't even get in your head how anybody would, then, you know, I suspect you're not broadening your horizons enough to understand a topic that comes up that's in that realm. So I'm just a big believer in getting out of your own bubble. We all have our own bubbles and, you know, finding ways to get exposed to to new thinking and, and different things that way. All right, we're closing in our last theme from last year's shows, and that is the necessity to be clear that creativity is valued because creativity is at the heart of brand differentiation, especially in today's climate. And we heard about creativity as a core value from Michelle Tate at MailChimp, from Sejal Shaw Miller at Converse, Anton Benson at Mars Wrigley, and on and on. So, Samantha, let's start with you on this one. You're obviously creativity is at the core of your company, if it's at the core of every company, but especially yours. How do you show your internal and external teams that creativity is something you personally embrace, something you value? That's such a good question, Jim. Creativity for us is across our team comes in, in different shapes. As I said, we've got people who are literally drawing our characters and creating the Muppets. And then we have people who are shaping our narratives and being able to find a through line and a connection for everyone to understand that every type of creativity is valued, whether that's creativity about the data and looking at patterns or whether that's literally looking at our on-air expression. We spend a lot of time together looking at the work, celebrating the work that all of the parts of our team do. And we try and do, we try and bring everyone together in ways that can get people out of their everyday spaces. So for example, we had a puppeteer workshop that we brought the whole team to and literally had people understand how to move the Muppets and, and get back to our why and about who we are as a brand and be in the hearts of our characters and have that expressed in whatever way each person on the team is doing their work, whether that's through word or whether that's through design. Love it. Jay, how about yourself? How do you show, demonstrate that's the value of yours? Big organizations, almost by definition, can stomp down creativity because what happens is folks learn what works within the guardrails of that organization and what doesn't work. And so they are often rewarded on pitching more things or coming up with more ideas that sort of work, or at least conform, I should say. And in marketing, you want some nonconformists and you want ideas that push boundaries. And what the practical thing I try to do is ask, when you all make a creative pitch about any campaign idea or you name it, if there's not something that I say, or the leader says, whoa, that is way too far. That that's We're not willing to go there. If you don't have one of those, almost every pitch, I think you have not presented a successful pitch of options because people get really nervous about sort of presenting things outside of those guidelines. So encouraging folks to like, where was the crazy idea here? Where was the thing that like, there's no way we can do? I'd love to give you all a couple examples, but I'm afraid in a public forum to do it. <laughs> You've had some ideas that are like, okay, that's definitely too far. But that's what you want. So just making sure that you're rewarding taking chances in your marketing team, I think, 
and living that by the feedback you give is super important. Julius, creativity at Marriott and how you as a leader role model it. I think in order to get creativity from your organization and your people, you've got to create a safe environment, right? People have to feel safe in the environment they're in and they have to trust that they can share some of their failures, which might lead to creativity. And where I'm going with that is, you know, with with nearly 6,000 hotels in the U.S. and Canada, while there are many, thank goodness, that always do great, they don't always do great, right? And there are always some hotels that are struggling. And so while while they're tied to these big mega brands, you know, an individual hotel in an individual market is almost like, you know, to some degree, a, a community right within itself. And there are times when certain hotels are not doing well, right? And as you can imagine, as they're trying to figure out ways to dig themselves out, that's where the best creativity comes from. And so for me and for us, I think the opportunity to make sure they understand the safe space that they're in so that when that necessity does breed levels of creative genius in a product or an idea or a service, they're amplifying that back to us. So then we can take it and test it and go, hey, well, they did it in this market because they had to. Let's try it in a market where they don't have to and see what the customer respond, how the customer responds to that. So I think all of that is integrated and tied together in terms of developing that. Uh, and then the last thing I would say is, you know, people have just like in your restaurants, people have been sleeping in hotels for thousands of years. So there's not a whole lot of new ideas there. The power, though, is how you connect all the pieces, right? What, what environment are we in today? What do people want? And then what levers can we dial up and dial down? And so sometimes you find creativity just in the core things that you operate in as an everyday business. And if we can communicate that to the marketers and get them to make the customer relate and feel that, well, that's, that's what marketing success is all about for us. Well, we've been through our five themes, and I asked you midway what theme do you think we would be talking about, and you all had an answer for that. Is there a theme that you wish we had talked about over the last 40 minutes or so that we did not talk about? I hit on, uh, you, you hit on most of them for me. Uh, one theme that we really dialed up last year was agility. Mm. And, and we talked a lot, Seth, about agility as not a thing, but a muscle. And we tried last year to really spend time helping our teams strengthen their agility muscle so that they, they didn't quite know what was coming around the corner, but they knew that something was coming around the corner. And how can they brace themselves and prepare themselves to take it and respond to it? So that's one that we really invested in last year and it bode very well for us. Samantha, Jay, anything that you think we may have, we, we should have talked about and did not? I don't know if it's an especially topical theme at the moment, but I kind of think it should be is coaching and the idea of giving constructive, honest feedback hmm. uh, up and down and across layers of teams that I will go so far to say, I think younger generations have been more sensitive to mm -hmm. and create an environment where that's also a safe place to give that coaching. You know, you can be hard on the work, but not the person, uh, but give honest feedback because that's how you grow and learning to sort of depersonalize that a little bit and, and let people understand in the organization, like coaching's a gift. Someone is willing to give you constructive feedback. You know, that means it should mean if it's delivered properly, they care about you. But I've realized we have to coach and teach that a little bit more to have a high, a high performing organization. So that's one of the things I'm thinking a little bit that's more of a general business theme on marketing. Mm -hmm. Sure. 
Samantha, how about yourself? I think that's a great point, Jay. And I, I would take that even a step further to call that community, because I think that to Julius's point, you know, giving that kind of guidance, radical practicing radical candor and doing it in a way that, you know, can really be effective. I think to Julius's point, you really need to build that trust. You need to provide that safe environment or that safe space where people can take that in. And I think that, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about that power of community. It's something that I think this next generation of leaders really needs. They need to, we need to provide, you know, handbooks with those types of, of learning, but it needs to be done in a way that they can have vulnerable, open, honest dialogue with others. Now, let's close this discussion about 2023 with a peek into 2024, the year we are just beginning. I'd like each of the three of you to talk about what leadership skill or trait or habit or idea you're looking to focus on next year. Jay, you just talked a lot about coaching, and maybe that's the one for you. But I'd like each of you to talk about what you as leaders are going to work on next year. I'll jump in. You know, for me, I've, I've, I've got a, a over 30 years with Marriott. I can't believe it. Good for you. Thank you. Lots of jobs. I tell my friends, I've had 20 jobs. They've just been for the same company. But I, so I, I think one of my, one of my superpowers because of my tenure with the organization is the power of networking and connecting people. And I don't mean networking for my own benefit, but networking across business partners, networking across ideas, networking, you know, if, if I've got something that's uh, almost at the finish line and I've got a colleague that's got something that's almost at the finish line, how are we working together to get both of them where they need to be? So, so sort of stretching across the business a little bit more to, uh, mm -hmm. to, to use the resources to get things through uh, will be my focus in 24, one of my many focuses for 24. I'm going to focus on reimagining. And I mean that literally because I think Sesame Street has been around for so long and there's such a deep nostalgic connection that we have with four generations. But we need to make sure that we are continuing to reimagine this brand. And I think kudos to, to the folks at Mattel and Warner who did that with Barbie. We saw this past year. I think we have that same type of IP that we need to literally reimagine Sesame Street, not just the show, but all the ways that we are connecting with children and families. And I mean it from the perspective of how we reach people. So I talked about that daily dose, but really thinking about what are those underutilized attention methods that I, we can use? What are the types of partnerships that we can create that are getting the word out about the work that we're doing? I'm going to take a little bit of a contrarian point of view on this answer, which is so many of us set goals for the coming year is what we're going to add, right? It's our personal life. Like, I'm going to learn to play chess or I'm going to you know, travel to Tokyo and all these kind of things, which are all awesome. I am going to think about this year on what I can remove for the purpose of focusing on what's really important. Because I think both on a personal level and to some degree, even on a team level, we have spread ourselves thin. And I'm not sure we are focused on doing fewer things better. And so I uh, think this might be a year for me and the team to think about that a little bit. Fewer things better. What's not moving the bar for us? 
hey, if you if you get there, can you teach us how to do that? Because that's I love that man. That's a, that's a golden one. I I so root you on for that one. That's a good one. I just came out of our strategic planning session. I think that's where my head. I'm overwhelmed with all the things <laughs> I do. So I, I'm looking to cut. Do you have one? I think it's it's kind of related to Jay. How do I focus even more on what I love doing and what has the most impact on others? And if I run everything through that filter, I mean, I just had a, I had a, an opportunity to join a board in the new year and I said no. Wow. And, you know, those are hard things to do because uh, I want to be reductionist a bit and through that have a higher impact. So that's sort of where I'm going this year. And, and also to keep my life open enough so that I can, uh, to me, physical, intellectual, mental health are so important. And you got to keep them all moving. And I think I spend a lot of time thinking about that and trying to do that to the best of my ability. Awesome. Appreciate it. So that's a good note to end the show on. Thanks for asking that question, Julius. So listen, happy new year to all of you, your organizations. Thank you for sharing this is a great gift to start the new year, and it's a, it's going to be a fabulous show. I can't wait to re-listening to it. It's, there's lots of learning in this. On to 2024, and thank you again, this gift you gave us. You bet. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. That was my conversation with Julius, Jay, and Samantha. That was a great conversation, and three takeaways from this one for your business, brand, and life going into 2024. And the first one, and it's the whole concept behind this show, it's the power of pausing to reflect and learn from what's happened in your life over the past year or six months or month and to think about it, what you've learned from it, and how you take that learning forward. This show was full of reflection about what these three leaders have learned, what we've learned from other CMOs over the past year, and what we're going to do about that to become better leaders. So take time, pause, reflect, learn, and put it into action. Second takeaway, success is never final. It's a quote that Julia shared from us, from Mr. Marriott. He said he doesn't think Mr. Marriott coined it, but he uses it a lot. And the idea is if if you think that success is never final, you will remain curious. You remain agile. You will remain dissatisfied with your results, though you might be proud of them. So the whole idea that success is never final, we're all on a journey and to stay curious. And the third takeaway, and I love this one, Jay brought it up. What do you take off your list? What do you stop doing? How do you become even more focused on the things that are highest impact for your business, brand, your organization, yourself? I love that thought. We talk about it a lot, but how often do we really do it? Jay seems to have the resolve this year to do it. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.